Hello, and welcome to the Freak of Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Emily Uten. This is a show where we encourage you to be rooted in the Holy Spirit in order to flourish in your relationship with God. Join me as we use scripture to debunk lies that modern culture tells us. So pour your third cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to give a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode due to today's content. Today, we discuss our guest's journey through miscarriage and stillbirth. If this is an area where you are still trying to heal, I recommend that you skip this episode and come back to it later. As we approach Mother's Day, which can be a very hard day, I wanted you to know that if you are walking through infant loss, stillbirth, miscarriage, infertility, adoption, loss of a parent, or maybe even grieving over a fractured relationship with your mother or mother figure, I wanted you to know that you are in my prayers. I'm praying over every listener. You are seen, loved, and cared for by Jesus. I hope you find encouragement in this episode because of the hope that Jesus offers. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alicia Smith. Welcome to episode 10 of the Fruit to Flourish podcast. I, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, we've known that this was coming for about a month and a half or so. Um, I have Alicia Smith with me here today. Welcome, Alicia, to Thank the podcast. You. I'm excited. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> me it's, too. The day has finally come. Alicia, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how we met? We haven't known each other long. Nope. <laughs> um, but just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, my name's Alicia. My husband's name is Jeremy. We got married in 2016 and we have two beautiful boys. Um, Emily and I met through church. I guess we got to know each other better after Addie, which is kind of how this came to be. Um, So Jeremy and I, um, we have had three miscarriages and then one stillbirth since we got married. One miscarriage early on in our marriage, which was twins and we lost them in the first um, trimester. And then after that, the following summer, we lost another baby in the first trimester. And then we had Jackson healthy, but some, um, complications at birth just with me, not with him. He was healthy. And then, um, around his first birthday, we lost another baby early. And then we had our crazy Judah, (laughs) um, and his delivery and everything was so much smoother. And, um, everything was great. And then after Judah, we found out very unexpectedly that we were pregnant again. Um, and we can talk more about the details, but that's when we found out we were pregnant with Addie. So let's, um, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I think miscarriage though common, Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately is still something that I feel people look at flippantly. Yeah. Like it's not, I know we hear all the time, like, oh, at least it was early. Yeah. I know when I miscarried before Monroe, before Monroe, that was, you know, probably the number one thing that people said to me yeah. was that it, oh, thankfully, you know, thankfully it was early or you have plenty of time or mm-hmm. you're still young. And like those things aren't helpful. No. And as <laughs> someone, um, you know, you and I are both pro-life, um, we don't look at 
miscarriage flippantly. I mean, a miscarriage, no matter how early is a child and it's still, it's still loss. And, um, so I think we're going to talk about that too. I'm like, what to say, what not to say when, when people are walking through loss, um, whether miscarriage or or stillborn. Um, but I, I want to go back, um, because even before Jackson, you had three miscarriages. Mm -hmm. Going into your pregnancy with Jackson, what was the condition of your heart? I mean, I'm assuming there is a lot of fear because at this point you've lost three babies Mm -hmm. and you, I mean, obviously just so badly want a healthy, healthy baby. So going into that pregnancy, what, what was your, what was the condition of your heart as you went into that? Yeah. So I'm already an anxious person. Um, and then after the miscarriages and just everything. So with the two miscarriages, I had a different OBGYN than who I delivered Jackson with. And she was not someone that I felt comfortable with. She was just very like black and white. And she used a lot of the terms that I would tell people not to say to people. She just sees it every day, you know? So it's just like, it doesn't affect her. She doesn't have, she wasn't married. She doesn't have kids. She really didn't have like an empathetic heart. And so um, that had really like tarnished my expectations with OBGYNs and like the whole pregnancy process. And then we went to my current OBGYN. That's when I, I was recommended to him by many, many people. And he and his wife had experienced miscarriage. So just walking into his office, my mom goes to him too. So like she had kind of told Family him care. our history and um, like just talking to her, he like got teary eyed. And so immediately that made a difference, just an empathetic Um, and then the whole time, I mean, he, he saw me at six weeks knowing my history. So we got to see Jackson like at six weeks, which was incredible. Most people don't get to see that. I have more pictures and than anybody I know of my babies because he just let me come in so frequently to like see them on ultrasound because he knows I'm anxious and with our history, just, you know, it doesn't hurt to be cautious, but with Jackson, I just, every step was one that I hadn't experienced before. And so like those first flutters and when my nausea went away, is this a bad sign? Mm-hmm. Am I about to miscarry again? Like everything that was a good thing made me anxious just because I didn't know what, what to expect or, you know, yeah, it's all new. So, so what were you doing to cope yeah. with that anxiety? Um, a few of my coworkers had known my history leading up to this. Um, and so they had shared about their losses. And then I knew that they also had living children. Um, So I was thankful I worked with some older, wiser women who also were strong in the the word and love the Lord. And so they let me do my normal, like complaining about all the stages of pregnancy while knowing I'm not complaining about the life that I'm also growing. And um, they were reassuring and they never, um, you know, they never made me feel silly for asking some of the questions that I asked or like, all of my anxious thoughts when I would text one of them at like 11, like, is this normal? Do I need a call right now? Or, and I mean, I lit up that nurse's hotline <laughs> to my OB as well. Like I just felt him kick five times in a row. Is he like, is this hiccups or is this, is he like being choked by his umbilical cord? Like, you know, yeah. all the things that I just was overly anxious about and God bless my husband. He, <laughs> he heard it all. So moving on, mm-hmm. you, you deliver Jackson. Healthy, I'm sure boisterous boy. <laughs> yes. And then you find out that you miscarried again. Yeah. Were there any thoughts that were like, 
okay, this might be, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Like I, this might, he might be our only baby. Were there any thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. We, Jeremy and I both like, so I was an only child growing up. Jeremy has two older siblings. Um, We both knew that we wanted multiple children, but we weren't fixated on biological children. So after Jackson, I was like, okay, so maybe this is just like, maybe my body's done. So we had actually just started talking about um, the foster to adopt process and what that would look like. And um, we knew it would take some time because our home wasn't quite like ready for all the visits and things that are required. But we had we had started that process and then uh, we found out we were pregnant with Judah. So that was a put on pause. But we were almost convinced that we weren't going to be able to have any more children just because of our history and you know, Jackson was a little miracle that just like flourished the whole pregnancy, but we didn't know if that would ever happen again. So yeah, we weren't, I was sad if that was going to be the end of my pregnancy, like healthy pregnancy journey, but we also knew that wasn't the end of our family. So I know after, after you had Judah, you Mm -hmm. walked through some more anxiety. Yeah. What did that look like? Well, so after Jackson, I didn't realize how bad things got until I was kind of on the other side of it. So it took about six months for me to realize that I had been suffering with severe postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, Part of it, like I was off for three months from my full-time job. Going back to work was the most difficult day of my life to that point. Um, I remember when Jeremy left after two weeks postpartum, like I sobbed the entire day that he was gone. I mean, you know, like hormones are crazy. And then as a first time mom, you don't know what's normal. You're trying to keep this tiny little life alive. You're healing from whatever your delivery process looked like. You're trying to learn how to breastfeed if that's what you're going to do. Or if you're not, you're trying to dry everything up, you know, like it's, there's a lot going on. And I mean, this isn't a medical podcast, but that six weeks postpartum visit is such a joke. I mean, it's nine times out of 10, it's just like, Hey, is your kid alive? Are you alive? Okay have fun and then you're done. And so again, my OB was amazing, but I didn't feel like I could just, I didn't even know what to say on my six week visit. And so all of my friends knew I was off, but no one knew like what I was battling in my head or whatever. And so when we got pregnant with Judah, I talked to my OB kind of told him, you know, like I literally was afraid to drive over bridges because I could like see myself driving off and all these intrusive thoughts and like I couldn't sleep at night and all of this stuff and he's like all of that is PPD PPA like why didn't you say anything and I was like because nobody talks about it nobody I didn't know that that what I was feeling was so abnormal that I needed more help and I didn't know how to ask for help and so um, based on the severity of it and my history and all of that the day that Judah was born I started um, a, a medication in the hospital and he was like, I'll, you know, I'll call you in a week. Let me know how it is. And if you have any weird side effects or anything, we can go from there. But it helped immensely just kind of like settle the crazy of all the emotions. And it helped me stay a little bit more balanced. And um, I feel like it made a huge difference for me not being so anxious or overwhelmed with like all of the things. Yeah. So I, there is, again, unfortunately, such a stigma around taking medication for anxiety or depression in general, much less postpartum. 
what would you say to the mom, you know, especially as at this point, you're still a new mom, you know, you and I both are still very (laughs) young. Like I still consider myself a really fresh mom. I have no idea what I'm doing. What would you say to a mom who maybe she's pregnant now, or Mm -hmm. she is, you know, has, has a newborn that, that feels like that is what she's walking through. Yeah. But is on the fence about medication. Yeah. Um, first of all, you're not crazy the feelings and emotions that you have, you're not the only one who's felt this way. You're not a bad mom for feeling them. Um, Your mental health is just as important as your physical and a healthy mom means a healthy baby. And so don't be afraid to talk to someone, speak up for yourself. You matter and your mental health matters. And so whatever that looks like, if it's getting a counselor, if medication is your next best step, then that, isn't a bad step. It's you taking a a choice for your health and just love yourself enough to speak up and get help before you reach that point. Cause you're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not a horrible mother. Yeah. That's so good. So up to this point, you've lost four babies Mm -hmm. to miscarriage and now you have two healthy boys. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering just what you're learning about God in these extreme highs of becoming a mom and holding your baby. And then also, I mean, still mourning the loss of, of your other babies. Mm -hmm. So what, what are you learning about God in that process? And what has your faith looked like? How has it changed over that course of time? Yeah. I think the biggest thing as we've experienced all of it with every loss or birth or whatever. Um, Jeremy and I both talked about how we just felt like God was giving us a tiny glimpse more and more of him and like his heart. And I, I feel like I'll say this a lot, but like this world is so broken and so opposite of how God designed it to be. Losing a child is just like the epitome of that, of the brokenness and separation that we have. And so, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were definitely days that I've doubted God and his plan and his purpose and all of it. But more and more as we go back to the word and just lean on the promises that we have in Jesus, it's just a reminder that like God's heart breaks with you and you can still have joy and grief and sorrow. And the two are going to live in harmony until Jesus comes back because the world is still broken, even though we have hope. And so I think that's just kind of been like the ebb and flow is just somewhere in between sorrow and joy kind of back and forth, sometimes simultaneously in moments like holidays, you know, Christmas is amazing, but you're always thinking of what if this baby was here too, or birthdays, the anniversaries of when you lost or due dates or whatever. It's always this like bittersweet, like I'm thankful for my two boys that I get to love every day, but it's always that like, who would this person be too? And it's walking through that. It's not like an either or it's right. an and, you yeah. know, you're, you're experiencing, like you said, joy and sorrow mm-hmm. at the same time. And I mean, I just can't imagine, but scripture promises and Jesus tells us that he's with us always right. to the end of the age. And and I think that's probably if there's someone listening to this podcast that is not a believer and doesn't have that hope in Jesus that you and Jeremy have, I'm sure they're wondering like, how can you even have hope? Like, because you've walked through these losses, but like, 
we don't know God's plan and, and you don't know God's plan for, for the rest of your life. And so how are you able, and we'll get into this more as we, as we talk about Addie, Mm -hmm. um, but how are you able to every day, I mean, put one foot in front of the other? I don't know how to describe it other than I just, it's like my nature to seek the Lord. Because if I don't, I know this world is fleeting and no medicine in the world could have saved any of the babies that we've lost. And I mean, there's nothing in this world that we could have done to bring them back to recover them, whatever. Nothing in this world has ever brought me satisfaction in grief, but because of Jesus and who he is, I know that sometime in the future, even though I don't have an answer to why now, everything will be made right. And I mean, I know that still may sound absurd (laughs) to those who don't know Jesus, but I really hope that you can just, I'll share some scripture later, but like lean into what the word promises and just trust that because nothing else, nothing else makes sense. And it's just the anchor for us has always gone back to that. So we're going to talk more about your marriage to Jeremy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'm curious, like up to this point, what you guys were doing through the loss, like we said, the highs and lows, mm-hmm. what are y'all doing to remain a unit despite all that loss and pain. Yeah. I mean, marriage is hard to begin with. <laughs> There's so a hard. lot of living with another person. You get all of them. Um, and I mean that about myself too. Like I come with a he lot of value. Yeah. <laughs> um, but through it all, communication has just been like the number one thing. And knowing that like, he needs to be able to come to me. I need to be able to come to him with a hundred percent honesty. Sometimes I just feel a lot of things out and we'll kind of start the conversation with, okay, I'm going to say this, but like, listen, before you react, I just need to tell you what's on my heart, what's on my mind. And then we'll talk about it and like filter through what's truth, what's emotion that, you know, needs to be dropped. Um, but Jeremy is for sure the most like compassionate and caring human I know. And like, I, I just feel a lot of stuff sometimes and he just sits there and listens and he'll like, he's not a reactor. So he just processes for a minute and he'll be silent and then he'll just come back and another reminder that it's important to be equally yoked with someone because in all of my doubting or confusion or wondering why things have happened the way that they have, he's always like the calm in it and brings me back to the word and the promises of God and And I can be that for him too on his off days um, where we both like we men and women grieve differently through loss. They both grieve, but it looks different. Um, And so it's just communication and reminding ourselves to take some time for just us to process or deal. I know this year, like after Christmas, it was just a lot. Like we had just lost Addie. Um, there's still, you know, all of the other kids that we think of on the holidays. And sometimes you just need a minute, like to check in, like, Hey, how's your heart? Cause mine's pretty heavy right now. And so having that time that you set aside to just communicate and be honest and not take it personal. If there are some like harsh moments in that conversation, just know that it's like a, a heart that's hurt 
Mm. And it's going back to the word and confessing all of it to God and just helping, having him help process through the word, like reminding yourselves of his promise. And Okay. So we said um, up to this point, you've had, you've lost, you've lost four babies mm-hmm. to miscarriage. And now you have two boys, Jackson and Judah. Um, and then you can tell us the rest of the story. What happens? Yeah. So around 10 months um, postpartum with Judah, all of a sudden I wasn't able to feed him the way I was feeding him before. Um, I had been like exclusively pumping and all of a sudden it just wasn't happening anymore. Um, So I was just, we were working through finding what would help. He had some tummy issues. So we were just working through that. And then one day I was making breakfast and I was like, man, that smells really weird. Like, why is that? Like I make this every morning. Why is this bothering me? And then slowly and surely more things started coming together. And I was like, oh, this is all kind of pointing in a direction I've been Mm -hmm. before. Um, So I went and sure enough, the pregnancy test was positive right away. And I immediately FaceTimed my (laughs) sister-in-law and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And turns out she was too. Oh my gosh. Um, So we, uh, we both found out really close to each other. Um, But so we found out, um, on like a Monday or Tuesday, I think. I know Jeremy is at work. So I FaceTimed him at work and I was like, hey, you need to sit down. <laughs> Are you laying down? Maybe you should lay down. Um, but yeah, we found out that like Monday or Tuesday. And then um, we were supposed to go out together and meet another family that Saturday. And then all of a sudden I had felt kind of crampy on and off all day, which is a normal thing for early pregnancy, but it's also a normal thing for miscarriage. And so with our history, I was obviously paranoid and anxious. Sure. Um, so before we left, I was like, let me check one more time and then we'll go. And I had started a big sign of miscarriage, you know, I was bleeding heavily. And, um, so I just kind of accepted, okay, this is happening again. Um, Jeremy got the boys like calmed down from not going out and I just stayed home late on the couch and cried a good bit. Um, but didn't really think anything of it. Just knew like, this is the process. It's going to be a few more days of this. And then, um, I'd already called to schedule my first OB visit. And I like that and following Monday, I called to cancel and told him what was going on. Um, but then about a week later, um, like things had kind of settled down and then it picked back up again with heavy bleeding and, um, the things that they tell you to look out for <laughs> and call us if this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had with my second miscarriage, I had ended up meeting a DNC, Um, and so I was like, okay, like this is happening again. I'll go and get an ultrasound and we'll go in for the procedure same day. So my mom went with me because I was expecting to just like hop over to the hospital and get the procedure done. Um, so I went in for the ultrasound and I'm sitting there and the lady's like, yep, uh, here's, and the baby is measuring, you know, this many weeks and was kind of upset because I was like, why would you tell me what this baby is measuring? Like, I just, I need to know. And Mm -hmm. she was like, and the heartbeat is. And like, <laughs> I literally had no words. Like I was like, mm. what, what did you say? Wow. <laughs> and, um, Addie was there just hopping along. And that's when we found out all of the fun that comes with the subchorionic hematoma. And so that is basically like a pocket that forms in between the uterus and the placenta and all this stuff. And it's basically just like a pocket of blood that a lot of people get them. Um, and so some of it's one of the leading causes of like spotting through pregnancy. Um, and when they're small, they're 
nothing to worry about. I actually had one with Judah and I didn't even remember um, that I had one because it was like smaller than a dime. Um, but yeah, so the size of this hematoma was alarming. And uh, so from day one, my OB was like, we need to really watch this. It can cause like abrupt um, miscarriage and we'll just monitor it close and call us if you have more bleeding or cramping or whatever. And so from then on, I was basically in the OB office once a week because once a week I would have heavy bleeding and clotting and um, I would just have to verify that Addie was still there um, growing. And every week she was growing right on track and everything was great for her. Um, but again, we always kept an eye on the hematoma. It grew in size. It would shrink. It was just like a constant back and forth of like, we, we don't know. Like I, I would always ask the doctor, like, okay, so like, what are my chances of making it to 24 weeks when she's viable? Like, and he, he was like, I can't, I can't give you an answer because this is just so unpredictable. You have all of this in your favor of like the location of the hematoma. It wasn't pressing on the placenta or like, because she was growing at such a normal rate, like that's promising. But again, like we can't predict. And of all the medical advances, there's nothing they can do to drain the hematoma or stop it. Um, so we just cautiously progressed. We were very guarded with her. Um, we didn't tell anybody that we were pregnant outside of our family or people that we were doing like our life group knew we prayed weekly in our life group. And then, um, we just, we, we told our, we agreed that we would wait until we were like at viability. So 24 weeks is when, if you deliver, um, they consider the babies medically viable to where they can fight for their life as well. So that's when they would go straight to the NICU and do all of the, all the things to try to help them grow and live. Um, so we're waiting for 24 weeks and I was going to maternal fetal medicine appointments. And this is still like COVID era. So yeah. we were like, I was by myself, all the appointments. Um, but at 19 weeks, uh, Jeremy is finally allowed to come to one of my maternal fetal appointments. And so that was one that we looked at like everything. Um, we had already found out she was a girl. So we already knew like we got our girl. Um, and so he was able to see her, like she was sucking her thumb hopping around. Um, he got to look at all of her organs and like, it was just of all the times for him to come, this was like the perfect appointment. And again, it's one of those things that looking back, like God allowed that to happen. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. And then I'm not one of these, like nothing against it. It's just not in my personality to do like weekly pictures of mm -hmm. my baby belly. Like, especially after this many kids, I'm just right. not really proud <laughs> you don't have time. of body and like, I'm good. I have all the pictures of her. Yeah. Um, but for some reason at 20 weeks, I took a belly picture, like in my kitchen, just super informal, set my camera up and was like, you know, like all the things that I would yeah. never do. And that's the only picture I have of her and me, you know, like, yeah. and so I'm really thankful again that God just was like, Hey, yeah. do this. Cause three days later is when everything happened. Um, but Jeremy, he's a firefighter from Monroe. So he was coming off a 24 shift on the Friday, November 5th. And I texted him that night 
probably like the 20th time I've said this, but I was like, something feels wrong. Like I've had contractions. And again, this is a normal thing. If you're, if you have a hematoma, your body is trying to pass the clot. And so you contract and do all these things that are alarming when you're pregnant. Um, and he was like, just lay down, like, don't Google anything. (laughs) Um, just rest and, um, I'll be home in the morning and I'll take care of the boys. And, um, but I was up all night with consistent contractions. They were getting stronger. Um, so around six, I hopped in the shower, just hoping that the heat and all of it would kind of relieve everything. Um, and right around six 30, um, my water broke and that was the start, um, of losing Addie. So thankfully again, Jeremy was coming off of work. So he like rushed home and we have the world's most amazing neighbors. So one of them came and the boys were still asleep. So they were clueless to what was going on. Um, so one of them came and sat at our house until my mom was able to come and we rushed to the hospital. Um, my OB was actually, um, he had some like family stuff going on, so he wasn't on call that day, but, um, like I texted him and he texted right away that he was praying for us and he was so sorry and that he had already called the the OB that was on call that day and she knew our history. Like he just did an amazing job to like prep who we were going to be interacting with that day. Um, so we, we go in and they do an ultrasound and I mean, it's kind of just like a blur, you know, like it sure. just doesn't seem real, but um the, the doctor finally came in and she confirmed that, um, all of the amniotic fluid was gone. It's super important at that stage for her to have it. Um, and even if she would survive delivery, there was nothing they could do because her lungs wouldn't develop. And the maternal fetal doctor came in and did another ultrasound. Um, and at that point her heart rate was slowing rapidly. Um, so we knew like she wouldn't even survive to delivery. So they just put us in a room and, um, they, everyone that we had at the hospital that day was just so gracious and kind. Um, I had one nurse come in and, um, I also have like a platelet issue when I'm pregnant. And so I had to get a couple, a couple things of blood before delivery. Um, And so she had to come and sit in the room for like 45 minutes at a time, but she was just, she was really, really kind, um, and gentle with us. And, um, it was, I don't even know how to describe it. Just waiting, you know, for the process. And at one end, I like want it to be over because I just, I hated the waiting, but then once she's delivered, like, I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, but so for Jackson and Judah, I had C-sections for Jackson's. I was put under because it was an emergency C and then Judah's I was awake. So Jeremy could be in there, but again, it had to kind of move fast so he couldn't cut the cord. Um, but for Addie, he was in the room. He cut her cord. He's on the place around my chest. Um, again, one of those moments. And I'm just really thankful that God was gracious in that way. And um of all the babies that he could have done that with, I'm really glad it was Addie. Um, so again, we delivered and, um, I had no idea, like, I don't even know what to ask at that point. Um, but I was really guarded. Like I didn't want them to take her, you know, like I didn't know what they needed to do, but I was like, I just need more time. And they were like, Oh, you have as much time as you want, which I didn't expect. I, 
had never had anyone that I knew had deliver a stillborn. Um, so we ended up having 16 hours in the hospital with her. Um, we eventually got moved off of the labor and delivery floor into like the, the mom's care side. Um, and when we got in the room, there was a, like a Moses basket with an ice pack in the bottom, which, and it's just those little kind gestures that like mean the world in the moment. Cause it's things I would have never thought, but like, because of that, we got to keep her longer. Um, and, uh, I mean, those are hours that I couldn't trade for anything. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was how we delivered Addie. Thank you. Yeah. For sharing that. When, when you sent over, um, your story, you sent it over beforehand so that I could read through it. And, um, and I cried the whole time reading it, but in, in a part of it, you say that you guys were supposed to be at a concert yeah. at night. You're supposed to be seeing Maverick city yeah. and that in your room you had worship music playing. Yeah. And that's incredible to me because I, I am a believer. And that's incredible to me because I can't imagine being able to worship when I know I'm not bringing my baby home. Your faith is so inspiring to me and to the non-believer who is thinking that you're crazy. You guys (laughs) are nuts. That where, where was the, um, where was your anger? I mean, you obviously, you know, that, that you're not bringing Addie home at this point. Um, and still, still God is good and you're Mm -hmm. still worshiping, but like that, what a conflict of emotion that you, I mean, the most devastated that you'll ever be in your life. And yet you're still worshiping Addie's creator. Yeah. How? How? (laughs) Um, Honestly, I I don't even know. Um, But it's in, it's in the moments where you're the most broken and vulnerable that we didn't know what else to do. Um, Nothing else made sense. There wasn't anything we could say to each other. Um, But we just, we, we both just kind of looked at each other. We were like, we have to, we have to do this. Like God's only way through this. Um, and, uh, promises by Maverick city was like my jam beforehand anyway. And then like through this, it was just the one that we really like would play on repeat. Um, because we knew that we would like, we'll never be able to understand why this happened the way it did or, um, leading up to losing her, like we had, you know, we had prayed big prayers. We knew that God could heal and he could perform miracles if that was in his will. Like afterwards, we both, Jeremy and I both talked about it and we both kind of had the same visual in our head, but, um, we couldn't talk about it at the moment, but we both were kind of thinking of in the garden before Jesus was crucified that he was praying like, God, take this cup from me, but your will, not mine. Yeah. Um, so we had prayed for 20 weeks for God to not take Addie, uh, or he didn't take her, but for him to, for him to heal the hematoma for us to make it past all of the things that yeah. we were wanting to make it past. And we knew that he could. So we, we prayed for that, but the whole time we were like, but your will, not ours. Um, and so that was all we knew to do. Um, and like in the garden, God sent an angel and gave Jesus strength and he, you know, 
died on the cross for us. Yeah. Um, and if, if God could sacrifice his son so that I can have hope for where my daughter is, then I don't know what else to do, but worship even in losing her. Um, and like Romans eight, we kept like, I kept repeating that in my head that like the spirit intercedes on our behalf, even when we don't have words like groanings too deep that God already knows my heart and he knows better than anyone in the world what it feels like to lose your child. Um, so to the non-believer, that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once it makes sense to you, you'll, you'll understand like when there's nothing else, there's Jesus. Yeah. And um, we had a, we had a lot of people behind us and praying for us. And um, if there's ever been a time that, prayers felt tangible. It was that day. Like, I don't know how we would have made it through without the people we had praying for us. And just, even though they didn't necessarily reach out on the day, like so many people knew where we were and what was happening. And it's so, and community is so important. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure that you can't imagine walking through something this horrific without, without community, without mm-hmm. those um, without those tangible prayers. And you've said this a couple of times in the podcast already. And I, I don't, I don't think that we can say it enough really that, I mean, the world we live in is just so broken. Yeah. And this is not the way, this is not the way it was intended to be. It's the craziest experience. I mean, we were like, we were in our room and there was a newborn on the other side of the wall, you know? And so it's like, here I am holding my daughter for the last time while you're in the room next to me celebrating life. And so it was like, I don't know for, for our experiences, it's just been like delivering a child has just been the most, like, I don't know if tangible is the right word, but tangible experience of like the gospel, because with like with Jackson, I remember how painful labor was and I wasn't able to get an epidural because of platelet issues. And, um, he was sunny side up <laughs> problem child from day one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, I remember like at one point I was just, Jeremy had been trying to make me laugh. And after three hours of pushing your child out, like it's not the time. <laughs> no, nothing bro. else is funny. Um, but, um, I looked at him and I was like, Eve, Eve is a horrible woman. Like I'm yeah. experiencing this pain because of her. Um, but like looking back on it, we both just talked about like, like this really is opposite of how God intended it to be. Like, this is such a beautiful thing. Creation, like God made us to create life. Like he created life in us, um, through us. And so it's a beautiful thing that only God can do, but because of sin, it was painful and traumatic and, you know, like, not the way that it should have been. And so again, holding Addie, hearing a mom next door, trying to figure out life with this newborn in her hands. Um, it was just another like stark reminder of like, this is not what God intended. And just another, another reminder that we just, we have something else to look forward to because this isn't the end. But I don't, I don't know if it will be beneficial or not, but um, any other moms who have gone through the stillborn um, process of things, because again, like I'd gone through miscarriage before 
Um, and I'm not trying to belittle that at all. It's a loss is a loss, regardless of what week of gestation or even um, a living child, but um, like out of the womb. But the stillborn process was just a totally different turn um, from what I knew. And so like in the hospital, you have to, they give you a list of funeral homes if you need them. Um, but they were all like in Charlotte, we live in Union County. So I was trying to do something closer to home. And so we, we called a local funeral home and then you decide if you want them buried or cremated. And (laughs) that's a whole decision. And then, um, you give them permission to pick up your baby's body and then you walk out of the hospital (laughs) empty handed. And so it's like, just so opposite of what should be happening. Um, and like, I don't know that I'll ever be able to forget our last, like we said bye to Addie and walked out of the room. Um, and like, I heard them wheeling her to the morgue (laughs) and, um, if you've lost a baby like that, like, you know, it's just, there's not words for that. Um, but, um, just know you're not alone in that. And, um, I really hope that you felt Jesus through that process. Cause I really like, I <laughs> still looking back, don't know how we like made it to our car. Like I can't remember the walk to the car. And even Jeremy now he talks about how so much of that day is a blur to him. And he's like, I really just feel like that's God being gracious because we yeah. can't handle yeah. the pain at once. And so I don't know. You said, uh, when you said over your story, you said, I don't believe that God gives the strongest battles to the toughest soldiers. I don't believe that Addie is my guardian angel. I don't need to hear that everything is going to work out because this is the part, this is part of God's plan. And he needed her in heaven more than I needed her here. Yeah. Um, I've heard it said before that, oh, your baby's looking down on you. Mm -hmm. And Addie's too busy in heaven worshiping God. Yeah. And we have hope as, as Christians that you will see Addie, all of your babies, mm-hmm. like literally at the foot of their creator yeah. in their bodies that as they were intended. Mm-hmm. How do you get through each day enjoying the babies you have here on earth with you, Jackson and Judah, and also simultaneously longing for heaven how i'm just so curious what um what you know about god now yeah that you didn't know about god before and i mean how how has your faith grown over this over this whole process yeah um god is just really gracious <laughs> there's been a lot of <laughs> strong emotion Personally, I haven't like turned from my faith, um, but there were definitely days where I was like, God, what in the world? What are you thinking? Why is this your plan? Like, this makes absolutely no sense. But like, he already knew that I was thinking those things and just confessing them like brought peace to me. And I mean, we talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding. And some days that's all that I can do. Like, I just, on one hand, I'm thankful that the boys are as wild and crazy as they are because I can't just like lay in bed and cry all day. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that's all I want to do. 
somebody told me after Addie, like God gives his battle, you know, to the toughest soldiers and you're just so strong. And that was said with good intention. Yeah. But God didn't do this to me and Jeremy, and he didn't do this to our family. He was with us and held us through it. But because of the brokenness in this world, we lost Addie. It's not because God was like, well, just kidding. You don't need this one. Yeah. You're going to suffer through all of this because like, um, God is good and his goodness and his character don't change based on our circumstance. And so his heart breaks with yours because he loves you. And even on the days when you doubt and question, he still loves you and he's still there. Our prayers don't fall on deaf ears. So even when the prayers don't get answered the way that we wish they would, he does equip us with the strength that we need through the spirit, not through ourselves or through our own personal (laughs) affirmations or whatever you want to say. It's because of the spirit that we can lean on him to get through to the next day. Yeah. It's amazing. What would you say to the mom who is grieving, who has lost a baby to miscarriage or infant loss? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's no words to fully express the sorrow, but um, I hope that through this, there's something that someone has been able to relate to um, or identify with that you know that you're not alone. If you don't have community, I hope this encourages you to reach out to someone yeah, um, and find it. Cause there's, I mean, through, especially after Addie, I really started diving into finding more community specifically from stillbirth or, you know, like yeah. more people who could understand the processes we were walking through. And there's an incredible community of moms, dads, <laughs> families who um, are helping people through this and, um, find your community and give yourself space to grieve and like allow yourself to feel all of the things. Um, the grief cycle is not cyclical. It's not a circle. (laughs) So, um, you know, like there's some days that are really, really good and some are bad and that's normal. Um, but more than anything, just know that this isn't the end, like your baby's life mattered. And God glorified that because he's already made them perfect. Um, And I think that's another thing that just brings me so much like peace is that um, like because all of our babies were like 20-ish weeks or before, like the first thing our babies knew was Jesus. Mm. and so, I mean, even on my worst days, like I can't compete with that, yeah. you know, yeah. um, they're already made whole and, um, like you have to allow yourself the hurt and the pain. Cause it's part of, part of losing something that you, someone that you love, but, um, what would you say to that? Maybe the friend or the family member that, um, has not experienced this, but has a loved one that has, or is walking through this. Yeah. So the first is just don't be silent. Don't say nothing. Um, because silence really speaks volumes. Mm. And I know it's like walking on eggshells and you're afraid to say the wrong thing, but even if it's just, Hey, like I'm thinking of you, I'm here. 
and I'm praying for you. Like, like I had a girl text me that was like, I don't have words, but I'm here. And like, that's all she said. And that like meant the world to me because she wasn't giving me a one-liner. She wasn't (laughs) misquoting scripture to comfort me. She was genuinely like, I don't know what to do, but I'm here. And just again, knowing that you have community or people that are thinking of you. And like for the dads, I know like when Jeremy went back into like society after um, everything, people would be like, Hey, how's Alicia? How's, Mm. how's she doing? And like, like ask the dad how they are too, because he lost his daughter. Uh, Like Jeremy lost his only daughter. One of our friends from church, like showed up one day with some freezer meals. I've had a lot of people give me random things like ornaments because it was close to Christmas time or paintings or pictures or something just like in memory of Addie or little things. And those like mean the world. Like it may be a silly (laughs) trinket or something to you. Um, Another friend from church gave me a little like peg doll Mm. um, that was painted like a baby girl. And that's been a great like thing for the boys too. They like call her baby Addie. Um, um, If your sentence to start with at least, then don't say it. (laughs) Nothing beneficial comes after that. Totally. Um, and like, don't try to fix the situation in the moment, even be cautious with sharing scripture. Because again, I think so often in grief, we can misquote or misinterpret what the word's actually saying, yeah. tread softly. But again, just letting people know that you're thinking of them is more beneficial than anything. I'm so thankful that we have a heavenly father that is able to sympathize. Yeah. I mean, God has lost his son. You know, he sacrificed Jesus for us and, um, and he, he knows your deepest pain. Mm-hmm. And that's such a gift that we don't, we don't worship a King who is unable right. to sympathize. Like scripture tells us that like he, he sympathizes with us and that in itself is such a gift. Whatever suffering you're walking through, whether it's mm-hmm. with loss of a child or, or a parent or, or whatever, what has Addie's life taught you? And, and obviously there is a void in your family and your family is different now because Addie is supposed to be there and she's not. But what are some other ways that Addie's life has changed you and Jeremy and, and just your family in general? I think the biggest way is like Jackson, again, he's three and a half now. Um, so he was very aware of my belly growing and the day we found out she was a girl, I mean, he was like smitten from pink. Oh, like so we sweet. had a little fishing bobber <laughs> that like exploded and it was pink. And as soon as he realized that meant a sister, he was obsessed. So through her life and death, we've really been pretty open with Jackson, guarded obviously and not spilling all the details to a yeah. three and a half year old who can't comprehend it all. But yeah. we say her name openly in the house. We have pictures of her in the house. And when you ask Jackson, where's Addie? She, he says she's with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thankful that her life and death has allowed us to share the gospel with our boys. That's probably been the biggest way, just that we every day are kind of helping Jackson comprehend where baby sister is, but also like who God is and why we don't have to just be sad yeah. that we can cry, but we have hope. And one day Judah will get there too, but yeah. He's 18 months old, so <laughs> little little we're slower still working to, on some words. Yeah, slower to getting there. Yeah. But. Well, I know there's um, been a couple of ways that you guys have honored Addie's life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about a, some of the, a couple of the ways and I had yeah. Addie's day and then something else that, yeah. that you guys are working on. Yeah. So, um, we lost Addie on November 5th and then March 22nd was our due date with her. And I mean, no matter what stage you were at your loss, like your due date is something that's just really hard and you dread that day. And so instead of just dreading, we wanted to like turn the day around and really honor Addie's life, but also like give it a bigger purpose. And so, um, chose to make Addie's day a day where we ask people to like pay it forward in some way over and above what you already do to be generous. And, um, if by chance people asked why, just to say that they were honoring Addie's, like we were completely blown away by the response from that. Um, like we're not big, like famous people, (laughs) but the amount of people that like, that we didn't know that helped. I mean, some of our friends, their employers donated to nonprofits in honor of her. Like I still am like randomly getting letters in the mail from these ministries or nonprofits. They're like, Hey, a donation was made in memory of Addie. And wow. that alone just like means the world. Uh, but also knowing that someone's day was made on that day in memory of her yeah. is just amazing. You don't have to share your story publicly to glorify God through your grief or your sorrow, but if you do that, I feel like other people can be benefited as well. And so continuing to like kind of leave an open door policy on if you've lost in the past, if you're going through it, like we're here and we're still forever going to be walking through the grief of life after Addie. And so um, that was the first thing. And then we started the Addie Brooke company. Um, We have not yet officially launched, but um, I'm going to be making a few things like earrings and candles and stuff that we're going to sell, um, with the intention of being able to bless other families who walk through, um, stillbirth or miscarriage. Uh, some, some people, like I got from one ministry, like a, a bag of things. Some of it had Addie's name on it or like a mug or just little things that again, kind of seem silly if you were just saying, Hey, I'm going to give you like a hair scrunchie. But when it comes with, the heart of your yeah. scene, you're loved, you're cared for. So we're excited to see what that all leads to, but everything with the intention to love on other families who walk through this, because yeah. unfortunately there will be more yeah. who suffer the loss of a child and um, do it in memory of Addie, but also with the heart that we hope that they feel Jesus and can get to know him if they don't already. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. about Addie Bracco and um I I know there's if there's just one thing that that people take away from this podcast is that even through grief as Christians as followers of Christ like we still have hope mm-hmm. that and this, this is not where this is not where it ends yeah this is not where it ends and it's just such a broken world and and we know that we'll be in heaven one day with God and reunited with with all of our loved ones that, that we've lost and have gone before us. And so I, I hope that um, whoever is listening to this podcast, is, that's what you take from it is yeah. that there, it is impossible to walk through this life without Jesus. Yeah. It just is. Is there anything else you want to say? I think with the timing of all of this, you know, coming up to mother's day yeah, and all of that, no matter if you have living children that you get to live on or, if you also have babies in heaven or 
whatever the case may be, um, infertility, infant, child loss, all of that, this is just a really uh, bittersweet time. And so to any mom that's experiencing anything outside of just joy and excitement <laughs> for Mother's Day, give yourself space to grieve and take a break from social media if you need to. Um, I know that I can still find myself being bitter or you know, comparing your life to others because it's so easy from glamorous social media. It's okay if you're hurting going into Mother's Day. Like that doesn't affect, even if you're like, I am not looking forward to Mother's Day and I have Jackson and Judah. Yeah. I love them and that doesn't change my love for them. But like Addie should be here now, you know, again, communicate with your spouse. (laughs) Tell them that maybe you don't want to go to the big restaurant with all the other families and children that maybe you just want to have a chill day at home and do some fun things there or that you don't want to celebrate it at all. Like that's, that's okay too. just give yourself space to do what you need to do for your heart and your grief process and know that you're not the only one feeling that way. So I hope that there's a community that you have that can walk alongside you through whatever that day looks like. Yeah. I think it's um, mother's day can be a really tough day. Yeah. Um, whether you've lost a child or, or you've lost a, a mom yeah. or you don't have a great relationship with your mom, it's, it's a hard day for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I, and people don't really talk about that either. No. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things that we've talked about this podcast <laughs> today that people don't really talk about. Um, so here we are talking about it. Um, but yeah, some, for some people it is, it's not, um, it's not an exciting day and it's not a day that they, that they want to celebrate. So I think too, for the people um, who don't understand why their friends or loved ones don't want to celebrate, give them the space to, yeah. to be able to um, process how they need to, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. And I think like we talked about it before we started recording, but um, like infertility, miscarriage, stillborn child loss, like it's not contagious. <laughs> Talking yeah. about letting your friend talk about it with you isn't going to lead you down that same road, you know, like yeah. communicating with your friend about it isn't going to determine your path. Um, I think it's really important because we talked about, you know, when you start talking about it, sometimes people start kind of steering away from you or the yeah. more that you share about your journey, they're just afraid to ask you anything about it. Yeah. Um, and I know after, after miscarriage, it was, you know, people were already kind of like on edge talking about children <laughs> around me. And then, after losing Addie, it's kind of just like, they just don't talk about anything and people kind of like cover their bellies if they're pregnant. Like I, I can only speak for myself, but like one of my really, I mean, my sister-in-law gave birth after we lost Addie and I love that child so much. Yes. I was heartbroken because Addie wasn't here or I wasn't still expecting Addie to join a few weeks after, but, um, if anything, his life is more exciting because he's a miracle. I mean, you survived in the womb. You were born, you're alive and breathing on your own. Like that's something to be celebrated. And of course, like people need space to grieve. And, um, I didn't go to the hospital that day, you know, like I didn't hold him fresh out of the womb, but it's, it's not like people who go through child loss are like anti-child. Right. Or 
um, can't handle someone being pregnant next to them in a restaurant. It's hard yeah. and there's grief and all of that looks different. And some days you might have to say no to going to a baby shower because it's too hard. But as friends who know that your friend is going through that also just be gracious and allow them to grieve knowing that they're not resenting you yeah. and your journey. It's just, it's hard. I mean, what I'm hearing too from you is just um, talking about Addie yeah. and just honoring, honoring her life, not pretending yeah. like it oh, yeah. didn't like, happen. I would much rather someone say her name yeah. than just avoid the topic altogether. Yeah. Like I'll talk about her all day long. <laughs> yeah. I love her and she's my daughter. Yeah. She's not here, but I'm not going to shy away from that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Alicia, I, I can't thank you enough for opening up and being vulnerable and sharing this, this story. I, I've already been praying before we were recording that, that this would touch so many people. And it, mm -hmm. um, even now as we're recording, it's still like a week before it comes out. And yeah. I'm just praying for the people that are listening because I, I know it's going to impact so many people, whether they've walked through similar things or not. Um, but I'm just so thankful. Um, I'm thankful for your faith that it's so unshaken. Um, and for you and Jeremy, just the example you guys are, um, just by how strong your faith is and, you know, it's not easy, but you're here yeah. and, and you're able to, to share and encourage others. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. So it, um, it's not lost on me that this was really hard. Um, but I'm really, really thankful. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for letting me in. Anytime I can share your story, I hope that it allows others to feel seen and loved by God. So I'm praying to you that others will be encouraged. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll have to have you back. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I hope you learned something new. If you want to talk further about today's content, please shoot me an email to the address in the show notes. And as always, you can find me over on Instagram at the Emily Uten. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review or share with a friend, not for my own praise, but so that others can find the podcast and begin learning along with us. All right, friends, see you next week. Happy flourishing. Thank you.